Our top story this morning, a double homicide in downtown Tampa. Two men were gunned down in the lobby of the Saint building. Now to our other the shootings happened during a riot outside Castle the is alive back in Tampa. You may remember Castle's the FBI agent. In certain extreme situations, the law is inadequate. In order to shame its inadequacy, it is necessary to act outside the law to pursue punishment. Frank Castle is dead. He died with his family. I leave this as a declaration of intent, so no one will be confused. Those who do evil to others are killers, are rapists, psychos, sadists. You'll come to know me well. Call me... The Punisher. Welcome to the now-playing Punisher Retrospective Series. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Part of the now-playing Marvel comic movie series. When this is over, you're dead. Hosted by Jacob. I've got more guns than you do. Stuart. He's a very scary man. And Arnie. He's killing someone and we're next. Join us at nowplayingpodcast.com each week for a new installment of this series. I've documented every murder that fit his profile, and I've collected intelligence on all known associates. And keep coming back as we continue to look at all the Marvel comic book movie adaptations. Welcome to the Punisher Task Force. Be warned, the guilty will be punished, and the listeners will hear detailed plot spoilers and harsh language. He's gonna fuck your life up. He already fucked my life up. Listener discretion is advised. Mr. P! Happy hunting! Today we're discussing... Punisher Warzone, starring Ray Stevenson, Dominic West, Julie Benz, Doug Hutchinson, Wayne Knight, and directed by Academy Award nominee Lexi Alexander. This is Looney Ben Arnie, co-host of Now Playing. Stuart in L.A. And this is Jacob, you crispy cream motherfuckers. And here we are, three weeks in with our third Punisher movie and our third Punisher I've got a couple black eyes to show for it. I don't know. I'm bleeding from some orifices. Come on, you almost like Dolph. <laughs> I know, I agree. And since this is a reimagining and not a direct sequel, I think that there's hope to recover after a second installment I truly did not like and, more importantly, was not anticipating. I mean, I just am still stunned at that perplexing mix of comedy and action last time. It just wasn't the movie I thought I was going to sit down and watch. That's all I can really say. So here, I'm curious to know if they're going to finally get the formula right. The first time they got the formula right, but they didn't have the budget or the actor. The second time, well, whatever. You can hear that review. Here, it might all coalesce. I mean, it might finally work now. My optimism is that I might finally get the Punisher movie that I thought I wanted. Well, I, I definitely feel this one has more than a few connections to that Dolph Punisher. Here's the thing, though, is this was intended to be a sequel. Thomas Jane was signed. The director from the first one was signed. The director walked pretty quickly because this is now a full Lionsgate film and he wasn't happy with the budget and perhaps the direction it was being taken. Thomas Jane was on board. He was posting on the internet about how his workout was going to be the Punisher again, how this was going to be the Punisher movie the fans wanted. Then he read the script and just said, I'm not going to spend months of my life sweating over a movie I don't believe in. <laughs> this couldn't have been the script he read, though. Could it? It is this basic script. Now, after he walked 
director Lexi Alexander had been brought in I around the same time. I think Lexi was brought in a little bit earlier, and then he walked, but she was tweaking the script. Though What I'd read is Thomas Jane really never liked The Punisher, but he liked the movie. He didn't like the comic books. He wanted the films to stay gritty and realistic, and in his words, going more taxi driver. I love it. So he agreed with Stuart from the last film. Yes! <laughs> then he can stay. But everyone else had to go, and I was glad to see that. No more Mr. Bumpo for you. (laughs) Well, that was from the comic, though. But yeah, yeah, exactly. Thomas Jane didn't want to tie to the comic, but the writers, producers, and the director wanted to be more like the comic, specifically the Marvel Max series. And when Thomas Jane saw the way it was going, he walked. What's a Marvel Max series? I knew you were going to ask that, Stuart. Marvel Max, that is their hard R-rated line. To put it, it's anything goes. So the Punisher in this Marvel Max universe, it's totally separated from superheroes, extremely violent, lots of vulgar language. I mean, the Punisher is still a Vietnam vet, but in the year 2000, I mean, he's like 60 going on 70 in there. So when I saw Ray Stevenson in the trailers for this, I'm like, oh, they're totally going for that Punisher Max look. He looks like he's almost right off the page, a lot more aged, hardened, and it doesn't have that comedic edge at all in the comics. The alleged comedic edge. Good. Okay. It's the same writer, the same guy who wrote the source material for the last Punisher you didn't like, wrote the Punisher Max series as well. I never did read the series. I've never read a Punisher comic. What might have worked on the page did not work in the movie. That's all I'm here to say. My question to you is, do you feel that the Max series has amplified Punisher? Is it a better series for having gone this route? It's the version of the Punisher I go to. When I got to pick a version of the Punisher to relate to, I go for the Max version just because the most has been done with him as far as fleshing him out and who he is and what he stands for and what his mission's all about. You don't get the superheroes in it. He's not fighting Stiltman and Daredevil. He's fighting Irish gangsters and Russian slavers. It's a much harder and violent take. Yeah, that sounds right, and that does seem to be where this new movie's headed. It sounds like the right impulse. I personally, again, want to stress, I think this is all very good. If Thomas Jane wanted to make Taxi Driver 2, I agree with him. That would be fun, but it sounds to me like these people, if not Scorsese, they at least might finally deliver the pulp movie that I've been thirsting for. Well, and the reason I asked Artie about the script, if this was the same script, if Jane turned this down, because I guess maybe they added the origin story into this movie later after he left, because it's the, our third origin story for this character. Yeah, I believe that that's what happened. From everything I've read is the script got tweaked it as it went, and with the new actor in, they just added in flashbacks to the new origin story, whereas if it had been Thomas Jane, we might have seen Samantha Mathis on a boat dock again. So, why don't you tell them what we did see? Give us a plot summary, Arnie. After witnessing a mob hit, Frank Castle's wife, son, and daughter were killed during a picnic, making Frank become the Punisher, a vigilante who hunts criminals with extreme prejudice. When the Punisher War Zone starts, Frank has been waging his war for five years, both hunted by the cops for the murders he's committed, but also secretly aided by many of the cops who privately support Frank's ability to do what the court system cannot. Specifically, Frank is hunted by Detective Martin Soap, head of the Punisher Task Force, who is one of the Punisher's secret accomplices. When mob boss Giatano Cesare is acquitted for murder after the key witness is killed, Frank goes to Cesare's mansion and kills most of all the mobsters there, including Nikki Donatelli, who happens to be an undercover FBI agent that Frank just thought was a mobster. 
With an agent killed, FBI agent Paul Budiansky takes over the Punisher task force to hunt the vigilante for real. Frank is disturbed but continues his killing, finally coming up against Billy the Butte at his base and knocks him into a glass crusher. Frank turns on the machine and presumes the mobster dead, but in fact he's just horribly scarred, and a local free clinic fixes him up as best they can using horsehide, iron plating, and thick stitches. Billy renames himself Jigsaw and takes over as mob boss, and his first action is to free his violent, cannibalistic brother, Looney Bin Jim, and Jim vows to kill the Punisher for how Frank messed up Billy's face. The Punisher, meanwhile, is distraught over killing an agent. He takes money to Donatelli's wife and daughter, hoping that Angela Donatelli, played by Julie Benz, will kill him, and when she doesn't, Frank tells his weapon supplier Microchip, played by Seinfeld's Wayne Knight, that he's quitting. But Micro points out that Jigsaw now knows Donatelli was an agent and will try to take revenge against the innocent family, which he does. Jigsaw terrorizes Angela and Angela's daughter Grace, looking for money that he'd given Donatelli to launder. <laughs> Frank tort- what? <laughs> no, I- no, it's just a funny plot, but- you would think a mob boss would have more things to do. <laughs> Frank tortures and kills some urban free floors and find where Jigsaw is gone. And then Frank joins forces with Soap and Budiansky to save Angela and Grace. And Jigsaw and Looney Bin Jim are arrested. But no, the film doesn't end there. Jigsaw has an ace up his sleeve. He was helping some Russian mobsters sell a biological weapon to Middle Eastern terrorists. And Jigsaw agrees to turn over the Russians in exchange for total immunity, plus the 16 mil the Russians were paying him. The cops agree, and the Russians are arrested. But once free, Jigsaw and LBJ begin their final plot against the Punisher. They first recruit all the local gangs and mobs to their cause, offering 100000 for each person in exchange for helping to kill the Punisher. Then they kidnap Angela Grace and Microchip to use as bait. Frank goes to Budiansky and Soap for help, and then goes to the Russian mob, offering the Russians the chance to get revenge for Jigsaw's betrayal. The Russians go to the hotel where Jigsaw's army is waiting for Frank, and a bloody firefight ensues, with Frank coming in at the end to kill all survivors. Finally, Frank is caught by Jigsaw and forced to kill Microchip, or Jim will kill Grace. But instead, Frank kills Jim, and in retribution, Jigsaw kills Microchip. Finally, the Punisher and Jigsaw get into a fight, with the Punisher stabbing him through the stomach and throwing him onto a fire. And as the film ends, Soap and the Punisher leave, with Soap asking the Punisher to stop killing, until a mugger holds Soap at gunpoint, and then Soap calls for Frank for help. And the Punisher shoots the mugger as credits roll, and Rob Zombie wails on. So that's the plot, and as the movie started, you know, we always talk about the Marvel logo here. Here we have the Marvel logo a little bit different, Marvel Knights, and not like Baywatch Knights, but with a K. <laughs> More like the Dark Knight, like so much that we're about to see. What is Marvel Knight? No, Marvel Knights is another imprint of Marvel. We talked about Marvel Max when we did Kick-Ass. We talked about Icon. Marvel Knights, it was a way to tell stories with some of the Marvel superhero characters that were still in-universe, but bring in really great writers and artists. They were kind of like the showcase stories. They're a little bit more mature, maybe like a 16-plus age range, something like that. Like when I talked about Welcome Back, Frank, in the last Punisher film, that was a Marvel Knights book. So I'm not sure why. Maybe they're trying to separate themselves, saying we're edgier than those Spider-Man Marvel movies. But when we get to Ghost Rider, the new Ghost Rider film next year, that Marvel Knights logo is coming back. Oh, curious. I wonder if it will be as tonally dark as this movie. Because if I didn't know from the Lionsgate symbol, I definitely knew early into this movie, well, 
the squibs, they're a lot juicier now. I gotta <laughs> say, the violence in this movie has been ratcheted up to 11. And good or bad, it definitely isn't something that you'd want to take a young audience, one that you would take to Batman or Spider-Man. I wouldn't want kids seeing this. This is not just an R-rated movie. This is a hard R. I said this back when we did Saw and when we did Rambo. Lion's Gate for some reason, seems to have this aesthetic to it that involves a lot of blood, a lot of amputations, and a lot of it in a certain kind of style. And the fact that I've seen it in all of these movies, and they're all Lionsgate films, I don't know what it is about that studio. <laughs> I've never seen any studio with such a trademark like this before. It's ran by 16-year-old teenage boys that like heavy metal. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, you're not wrong. Not 16-year-old boys. I have to say I am impressed with the fact that the director reigns have been handed over to a woman. She was an Academy Award nominee for a short film. Still, this isn't an obvious match, and I can't say that too many studio movies get handed to women in general, and particularly a hard R action movie like this. But Lexi, I did a little bit of research. She's like a kickboxing champ. She had a career before she was in the movies where she kicked your ass. So I'm sure she can be quite convincing in person if she is this noted worldwide karate champion that you'd want her to direct a Punisher movie. But props to them. Well, surprisingly, or not, I heard an interview with her that was actually done just a few weeks ago on How Was This Made, a podcast with Pat Oswald on it, and they interviewed her. They just had a screening of this. I wish I'd known in advance, because you guys could have gone. It was in L.A., and Pat Oswald and Lexi Alexander were there talking about this film, and she talked about how, you know, when she was sitting in the Academy Awards ceremony, nominated for her film, she was not sitting there going, oh, someday I hope I get to make The Punisher. And in fact, she turned this down twice. She didn't want to do this film. They wanted her. She did not want them. But finally, she agreed to do it just because no woman had ever directed an R-rated action film like this, and she wanted to show a woman could. Well, there's Catherine Bigelow. I don't know that she's the first. I mean, Strange Days, Point Break, Blue Steel, Near Dark. They didn't have men in colostomy bags and wheelchairs getting their heads cut off in the first scene, no. Absolutely not. This is, I still, I would say, as hard as Catherine Bigelow movies can be, this is the most graphically violent movie I've ever seen a woman deliver. And so, yeah, it's some kind of strange honor, I suppose, that she gets to do it. I think it's a politically savvy and cool move, but I didn't know who she was, and the only movie I've ever heard of with her name attached to it is Green Street Hooligans, which is a comedy about soccer nuts. Not an obvious choice, but sometimes that can be the best choice. Especially when you're going on the cheap. <laughs> Look how this film opens up. We see about a, a mob boss getting acquitted. The Punisher's been around five years. He's watching this on TV in his sewer, and then you have an attack on the house. Better budget, better special effects. <laughs> it's better enunciation. <laughs> yes. No opening monologue about God and punishment. And no doubt that this is in New York, even if it's a CGI fake New York that they probably <laughs> shot in Toronto. Quebec, actually, all over Quebec. Okay, well, we've now reached the point where CGI can replicate the city in a convincing way in a low-budget movie. So, hey, yeah, this is exactly what I asked for, right? This is the movie I said I wanted. I wanted Dolph, this movie, more violent, more intense, 
and with a better actor in the lead. This all seems to be headed in the right place. I've got to say, I found my spirits lifting from the sewers myself at this opening. I just have a feeling you're setting me up for the fall, because I'm like, oh, maybe Stuart might recommend it. Maybe Stuart might recommend it. I gotta say, I love the first ten minutes of this film. When the Punisher storming the home, I was shocked by how graphic the violence is. Like I said, you got this old guy with his colostomy bag talking about how he's shitting his pants, and the Punisher just walks up to him, cuts his head off, and then snaps his wife's neck. It's brutal. This movie tells you right here what it is, because the Punisher doesn't slit his throat. The Punisher takes out a knife, slits his throat, and it decapitates him. Right there, I quote the great Malcolm McDowell, a little bit of the old ultraviolence. Yeah, I love it too. I actually think when the lights go out in the dining room and it comes up with the flare and he's standing there, it's a great intro. It's the intro that you guys claimed Blade was giving in the first movie is the way I was feeling about it here. I'm like, ah, I get this guy. I like this setup and they've done everything right until he swings on the chandelier. That was a little bit gaudy, I think. Everything up until this point, you would see in the comic until he gets up on that chandelier. I thought it was cool, though. I liked it. Seems a bit wasteful of those bullets. Uh, you know, this is someone that's on the run. Probably would want to conserve their ammo a little bit better. But I thought it's a cool visual that he's spinning around on the chandelier taking everyone out. I like the visual, too. And you know what? I like all the blood and all the gore and all the extremism here. Right here, I'm trying to decide, am I seeing a superhero film? Am I seeing a slasher film or am I seeing a comedy? I wasn't sure, but I was enjoying the vibe. A comedy? Yeah. But I mean, it's almost slapstick. The way he grabs that woman and snaps her neck. and That to me is not slapstick, you know. <laughs> you remember that classic movie with Charlie Chaplin where he's slipping on the blood. And- <laughs> oh, this yeah. fight with the Russian was slapstick. This is not slapstick. This is a cold-blooded vigilante just killing whoever he deems evil. Later on in the movie, he punches someone in the face and it caves it in in bloody ways. <laughs> hey, I'm just focusing on this first time. Okay, the cutting of the throat with the head falling off. That's funny to you. Yes, that is funny. <laughs> well, it's over the top, and I suppose laughing makes as much sense as gasping, but this didn't play the comedy for me. It felt like we've at last found the voice of what we're trying to reach here. The balance feels right. It's a gritty, ridiculous movie that's going to just overpower you with how nihilistic it is, and that seems to be right. I was getting a total flashback to a bunch of 80s films and maybe early 90s action films, you know? It was just with better effects, better blood, but that same kind of shoot 'em up vibe, and I was kind of grooving on it. You know what had me won over? The Punisher is wearing his skull on a flak jacket. At last, we have someone smart. <laughs> you don't bring a t-shirt to a gunfight. I mean, Christ. When... Thomas Jane had his shirt on in the last movie. It was a flimsy cotton t-shirt with all those bullets. This makes sense. What a great choice. I don't know how you feel, Jacob, as the comic book fan, but I was happy to see someone take some precaution. (laughs) Do something wise. I loved it, Stuart, because, again, this is taking it from the Marvel Punisher Max series, where it's more reality-based, where he would plan things out. He's like, I'm going to go and be in this hailstorm of bullets. Yes, I'm going to wear a bulletproof jacket. I'm going to be throwing gas grenades. I'm going to have a gas mask. It is much more of a Punisher with that military background and would use that gear. So I love the look of the Punisher. Visually, this is the best-looking Punisher out of all three films. I actually like the realism of having a flak jacket. 
But for some reason, it just made Ray Stevenson look kind of odd and stocky and weird, and the collar of it threw me off. I just didn't like the aesthetic of how the Punisher looked, and I realized perhaps if I was going into battle, how I looked would be secondary, but when I'm watching a movie, you know, it's... I'm tired of watching a guy worried about how he's going to look. I mean, last time, I thought I was supposed to put a dollar in Thomas Jane's pants. I mean, (laughs) this take on the material was as a Chippendale dancer. This guy here, he looks like a lumberjack. This guy looks like he could hurt you, and he is not here to flex his muscles and impress you. He is here to kill. And I appreciated the no-nonsense approach of Ray Stevenson. I don't know who this guy is. I didn't see Rome. I've never seen him in anything, I don't think. But for this opening, at this moment, this guy feels right. He's the best of the three. And he wins me over even more when he breaks his nose after the fight and adjusts it with the pencil. I love that. Like he, This guy's tough. That's that, where I get a little bit of your comedy, Arnie. Yes, like I'll, I'll agree that, with that, too. But, but not during the actual fight. I, I was seeing it during the actual fight, the chair leg and the eye and all of that. It's, let's talk about the other character who we get introduced to here, though. Billy the Butte. All right. I am going to just, before I say unkind things, <laughs> I want to say how much I love Dominic West on the show The Wire. I don't know if you've ever seen that. HBO ran it for five years. He was the star of a very large cast, always the standout. Really had a great, believable Baltimore accent. Played a cop very well. Great character actor. Couldn't wait to see Dominic West in other things. I've now seen Dominic West in other things, including Hannibal Rising and now this. And I hate that I have to reevaluate my impression of him as an actor now because he's terrible in this movie. I love him in this movie, but he is terrible. That accent, (laughs) that horrible, horrible, again, it seems like a parody of a Brooklyn accent. You do know that he's British. I mean, I think that even slips in and out of it, of the way he's talking. It's it's terrible. But I didn't notice it in The Wire, but here it's just all too evident. He's mangling the language trying to play this character. But it's a cartoonish villain. Maybe it's a little more acceptable than, I don't know. Am I being too harsh? I thought he was awful. One of the only few facts I knew about this movie is when they were making it, I know that they approached Michael Keaton for this role. I think it was an issue with money, is that eventually he didn't do it because they just didn't want to pay him. But uh, that would have been an interesting choice. When we get into Batman, I'll talk a little bit more about this, but he really has suppressed all those comic instincts and is really a capable, dramatic actor. I think he could have played this Billy character a whole lot less buffoonish. Well... I'll tell you two things that I got out of that interview with Lexi. First, they also approached Freddie Prinze Jr. to play this role. Oh, dear fucking (laughs) God. Did she approach him? Actually, whatever it was, the studio said, I'm friends with Freddie Prinze. He wants to read for the role, so we have to let him read. But then after he read, Lexi was like, oh, my God, he's great. We must have him. And the studio's like, no way. We're not not casting him. We just had to do him a favor and let him read. (laughs) Now I feel bad for everyone. (laughs) (laughs) But the other thing Lexi said is any problems you have with Dominic's performance, put on her. Because Dominic kept coming to her and going, that's what you want me to do? I Mm. think that's a little much. And she's like, no, bigger, bigger, bigger. (laughs) Think Joker. (laughs) 
Yeah, that, that that's uh, going to become glaringly obvious in a few minutes. Here. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll bite my tongue for a little bit, but we all know that this is where this is headed. Burton's 89 Batman wasn't Jack Nicholson's character before he's the Joker. He's obsessed with his looks and vein. I mean, I know. I, and I got to say, OK, fine. If they're going to go off the comics and I'm shocked that he's in this movie because this was supposed to be taking that harder Punisher version from the Punisher Max. This is a character from the Marvel 616 universe. Billy Russo, as he's called in the comic before he becomes Jigsaw, yes, he is vain, and that's his downfall because his face is going to become ugly. It's very comic booky. I was not expecting that take. Just as shocked as you were, Stuart, last week with Punisher 2004, I was shocked with this version because this first 10 minutes is so over-the-top violent. And then to start introducing characters like this, and they're so buffoonish and cartoonish, I'm starting to have problems with the balance. I'm having problems, too. I'm getting mad. I'm starting to feel betrayed. Not as strongly as last week. It does feel like bait and switch. It does feel like you got it right, and then, oh, no, this is not going to work as a villain to what I just saw as our anti-hero. But I'm hoping, due to my love of the wire, that maybe Dominic can turn it around at some point. But these early scenes, they're embarrassing. And I'll be honest, I had to watch this a couple times because there's so many characters coming in and out. There's the mobster snorting coke and his dad and then there's the two cops in the car and it was a lot to process even having watched two other identical character movies it was a lot to process all of that was going on in these scenes but dominic west is just as bad as travolta here's the thing that i'm gonna say with dominic west is he's worse than travolta and that makes him better than travolta how do you mean it's kind of like you with Lindsay Lohan and I know who killed me. I realize that what Dominic is doing here is god-awful by any standards of taste, but I'm reveling in its awfulness. You're enjoying watching him chew the scenery? Yes. He's so hammy. I'm loving it. Whereas Travolta was just bland and boring. He was pissy. I mean, yeah. Travolta, like, by making the character essentially ineffectual, someone who only has the power to command muscle, who cannot actually put up a fight, he was just pissy and spoiled, and literally, by the end of it, I was dumbfounded that he's taken out being dragged around <laughs> by a car. I just, it was the wrong choice because he was a pussy, and we knew the Punisher wasn't, so it was an ill match. Here, I'm more concerned that what Dominic has is going to infect my Punisher and that he is going to be <laughs> acting like this by the end of the movie. And we get to see some of Billy's accomplices. There's some, like, crazy roof-jumping Rastafarian with an Irish accent. What is that about? The parkour urban free-flow gang? <laughs> Let me break this one down. <laughs> Please do, Stuart, because I still don't understand this. He's a black meth head named McGinty, Scottish, <laughs> in New York. He works for the mobs to get, what, drug money? He's an assassin because he killed the witness that was testifying against Cesare. So he's an assassin who does it for kicks. Does he do it for money? Later on, we see him robbing a convenience store, which if he's a high-paid mob assassin, you'd think he wouldn't need to do. But he's a meth head. Why does he do it with parkour, though? Because I love parkour. Like, now we're watching Colin Farrell as Bullseye, where that kind of off-the-wall humor worked. Like, 
This isn't the Punisher that they sold me in the first 10 minutes of this film. Billy hamming it up. Now I got a parkour gang? I'd never heard of parkour. According to the director's commentary, the producers are like, whatever you do with this movie, don't put in a parkour gang. Because everybody's using parkour gangs. Casino Royale had parkour. Which I loved. I guess other movies had parkour. Yes, it works when you're working into the film and you don't call it out. You don't say, hey, we're an urban free flow gang. (laughs) It also works when you're really on rooftops. I mean, the problem is that the city is CGI created, even though it's New York. It's not New York. So it's not amazing watching people flip around on blue screen. Parkour is beautiful when they can photograph the people actually doing it, defying the gravity, showing us the effect. It's Nothing is better, frankly, in an action movie. But this crap, yeah, silly willy. I ignore them. As soon as they're gone from the screen and they're leaving by the roof, I'm happy that they're gone and hoping that they never return. But they're there to get collect their pay for doing the mob hit. Why did Billy pay them? To me, it seems strange that mobsters, who are hitmen, need to outsource <laughs> to street gangs. According to The Sopranos, very rarely do the mobsters themselves do the killing because they need to have alibis and things like that. They don't want to be caught. Oh, okay. All right, I'll buy it. I don't buy McGinty, but I'll buy that. I think they just wanted an urban free-flow gang in this film. I would, too, if it actually was a real city and they were really (laughs) talented. But this is ridiculous. I'm, again, concerned how Punisher is going to keep his dignity fighting (laughs) criminals like this. Well, he then tracks down Billy at his base, which is a glass recycling plant. It's not a bad idea for mobsters to have a cleanup business, but does it have to be so literal? I mean, wow. This is not the Punisher Max that I know. This is back in the Marvel 616 universe proper, like glass factories and parkour. Like this movie is starting to go off the rails for me and we're only about 13 minutes in. Oh, good. I'm glad you're agreeing with me. I thought I might be the only one here because it's still not bad, but it's ridiculous. But it's starting to go the wrong way. Yes. Those sensibilities are off. After setting the right tone, you feel it veering in an entirely different direction. I'm feeling tricked again. And here's what is different for me in this film versus Punisher 2004. Like we talked about, oh, this is horrific. You see Frank's whole family get murdered. His wife, his mom gets shot first. But it's not this level of violence as in this film. Like this, you start with an old guy getting decapitated. Like that's a whole different set of expectations for me when you're starting with that level of violence and then to go off in the direction that this film has started to veer off into. But then they give me an interesting moral dilemma. You know, I feel like I kind of get the Punisher at this point. He's kind of one note. It's easy to get him. He's mad. He wants to punish people. They kill his family. But he executes the wrong guy when he busts into the joint. And now he's got to deal with himself and his whole mission is turned around. You like this? Yes. I think it's okay. a, it's a good turn of events. This is when it stops being a Punisher movie for me. Like, there's no way that the Punisher would take out an innocent person. Maybe he'll finish his mission. It's never happened before. I had to do some research because, Jacob, you and I have talked about this movie long before today. And I knew coming in that there was a Claymore sitting waiting for me, and it was this. Yes. And what you've said to me, not to take your words, but what you've said to me is, Frank, if he killed an innocent, would immediately punish himself by blowing his own brains out. Yep. And to me, I'm thinking, there have been hundreds of Punisher issues. This seems like an obvious place to take the character. It has to have happened. So, 
It's happened twice in the comics. One is in a series called Girls in White Dresses, a Punisher Max comic. She ended up not being dead, though. But he didn't know that until a much later time. And actually, she was dead. It's just he thought he killed her. It was Jigsaw. No, I I would say he'd probably go out and finish his mission, but go ahead. So that's not really the same case here. The other example was Punisher versus Daredevil means and ends. Yes. He killed Daredevil? No, he killed a DA that the Punisher thought was guilty, but Daredevil knew was innocent. Here's my retort. I hate to say that that's the wrong characterization of the Punisher because I was David Lapham writing that series. I love David Lapham's work. But, you know, it's like people who say, well, it's okay to have Batman running around with guns because, like, in the first year that Batman was around in 1938, he carried a gun. Well, that's fine, but that's not who the character became. That's not how he's defined. But that is not the characterization of the Punisher. It takes away that he would do any research that he, you know, he shows that he's working with the cops in this film. He has connections with law enforcement. This is a lack of preparation. If this is maybe Punisher year one, okay, I could go with that. But I guess it's the way it's portrayed in this film. It's just such a stone cold murder. Like the guy walks in and Frank just shoots him. And the way they deal with that, we could talk about how they deal with that throughout the rest of this film, but I just don't think it stays true to this character. I mean, they've had stories where the Punisher has thought he's killed, like Girls in White Dresses, where he thought he's killed Spider-Man, and he's like, you got to punish me, and he wants to shoot himself. So for this, it doesn't ring true. So for me, that's fine. I'm going to continue to watch this movie. It's not a Punisher movie anymore. The problem is the fact that when he realizes it's an undercover FBI agent rather than just a mobster, you feel like he would at that moment kill himself? He'll finish the job. He'll go after Jigsaw, make sure he's dead, make sure the family's protected. But if he wouldn't kill himself, he'd turn himself into law enforcement. I feel like they imply that. I feel like there's even a line that about him going away after he does his final job here. No, he's going on vacation. He's going back to Puerto Rico to hang out with the witch doctor. He's not going to go turn himself in. <laughs> we don't know where he's going. Well, let me put it this way. I find this dilemma interesting because it changes his character. He goes from being a one-note character who's self-righteous and knows good from bad always and dispenses punishment to realizing that he's fallible and that people are not always who they seem to be, and that he may be just as bad as some of the people he's putting down. I agree with you, Stuart. You know, Jacob, this offends me, but not because I don't think it's a Punisher movie, but because I don't understand what relevance this has to any of the plot that continues from this point. (laughs) It's never brought up. Well, it's how the girl and the daughter are put into danger. Even though it could have been the undercover FBI agent, you know, the Punisher shoots him in the leg, the guy goes to the hospital, Jigsaw could still find out that he's undercover that way. Yeah, it's a bad story. I just really, my memory of this movie going in, because I haven't seen this since theaters, reminder to our listeners, I did review this movie weekend of release, and I haven't seen it since, and my memory was that the Punisher thought he was innocent, but he wasn't, or something like that, and it actually does get a little bit muddled, because Billy goes after the family because this FBI agent had his money, and Billy thinks it's in that house somewhere. So, was it a dirty FBI agent? He was helping his partner steal coke, so he wasn't entirely clean, but... Oh, really? Yeah. I was very confused when it became about reclaiming the money, and I assumed that that was money that he stole from the recycling plant. There's a whole thing. The reason he was picked for that job is because he's helping his partner steal coke from the evidence room because he had a cocaine habit, and he got caught doing that, so that's why they put him on this case. Ah, 
this is all making a lot more sense. It's very muddled and convoluted. Yes, muddled is the key word there. I had to watch this three times, and once with subtitles on, because some of it comes from that parkour guy, (laughs) and I literally had to turn the subtitles on to understand everything that was being said. But there's a line where Billy had given the FBI agent some money to launder through the strip club. Then the FBI agent was killed, and Billy doesn't know where that money is. Did the agent steal the money? Was it just still at the strip club? Nobody ever says where this money went. Well, see, I don't even like any of that, because what I liked of the fact is that this guy was a pure innocent, that he looked like a mobster, and that Punisher instinctively responded to that. I didn't know, Jacob. Are you telling me that Punisher does his research? He doesn't walk into rooms and just mow everyone down? That he? No, I mean, he's he, special forces. In the Punisher Max series, the government's trying to capture him, and what do they do? They hire a bunch of military men to go after him, because they know the Punisher won't open fire on military men that are innocent. He might break their legs to get away, but he's not going to kill them. He will not Mm. kill innocent people to accomplish his mission. That's never been very clear to me. I mean, from that opening scene, I wasn't sure that there wasn't a maid or a table server who didn't take a bullet there. (laughs) I mean, you know, I think there's a guilty by association that you can apply is if you allow yourself to be connected to these people, if you work for them even, well, then you get what you get. I feel like it's a more interesting idea if you take the idea that he responded in haste and then had to face the fact that he killed a good man rather than he killed a man with was working for the good guys but also was corrupt. Yeah, but this film doesn't want to tackle that storyline. It, it's a plot point. I agree. And it answers it so easily by giving this surrogate family who are named Angela, Angela, and Grace to hold his hand and make this guy feel okay about what he's done because they remind him of the family that got done at picnic. This is some trite-ass writing, and I just can't believe they had to go there for this story to work. It's just not the way for this character to work through that anguish. If he works through it at all, it's dropped, and I'm angry. Again, you know, he has this team up with the little girl, befriends the little girl. I, I'm just having flashbacks to Dolph where he's saving the children. He and- gives her a flashlight and it's like yes. something like when people get into your light. I waited for that to come back the entire movie. When did she hit Jigsaw over the head with the flashlight to knock Nothing. him out? She doesn't do one thing with that flashlight. My God, you don't put a scene like that in to make us cry. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> That's a stupid functional scene that's only there because you need to get that child a flashlight for something that'll happen later. And when they didn't do it, then I'm mad that they put all that maudlin crap in there to begin with. We didn't need that scene. And if it didn't have a plot point, cut it. And Angela, played by Julie Benz, who now gets her golden headphones for her third time here at Now Playing. Oh, what else she do? She was up against another Jigsaw in Saw 5. Oh. Another Lionsgate film. And before that, she was with John Rambo in Rambo. So I don't know if she's an indentured servant to Lionsgate or what, but here she is. This is my first exposure to her. I wasn't on those podcasts, so I didn't know who she was. And I don't know. It, it, it's an unfortunate part. I'm not going to put anything on the actress. It's a thankless role. She has to say to Punisher that it's okay you killed my husband. That's hard to do, frankly. I like the fact that he did essentially want to commit suicide by putting the gun in her hand. I do feel like it's there, implicit in it, is that his guilt is leading him towards extermination. But she doesn't do it. You know, She won't take the money. 
that he gives her. What is that money that he's giving her? Is that the money that the guy laundered? No clue. No, he just has money. Whenever he kills mobsters, he just takes all their money. Okay, see, because all of this talk about missing money and bags of money, and then he had a bag of money, I got really confused. You guys are helping me out through this. It's making sense in retrospect, talking through, but all of these scenes are terrible. I wish that they had eliminated Angela and Grace entirely from this story. Entirely. Admittedly, I don't know that they add much of anything at all, and... If the FBI agent's death isn't going to pay off, then it should have been cut. But let's move on to the next minor character. We've got Microchip, finally. Another confidant for the Punisher, you know, versus the last movie where he had Bumpo and those others. Now he's got Microchip. Newman. That was a surprise. Yeah, so again, when they say this is, oh, we're going to the Punisher Max, the hard and gritty version... But you're bringing out Microchip, who was the goofy technological sidekick in the regular Marvel universe. I mean, Garth Ennis makes it a point to have Microchip be involved with the U.S. government smuggling heroin out of Afghanistan. And the Punisher kills him in the first story arc of Punisher Max. So weird choice bringing Microchip into this gritty Punisher. Yeah, but this is at heart still a movie. And they don't want to be as nihilistic as the comic book that you're talking about. They want to catch the flavor. They don't want to give you a whole meal of it. And so this is comic relief. Is that what this is? I'm not laughing. He is so dour here. I've seen this guy in a lot of stuff. I always know him as Newman, but of course, his probably second biggest role to me is Jurassic Park, where he plays kind of the goofy evil guy that causes all the dinosaurs to get set free, but he always has this jolly presence. Here, I didn't know he could play serious. I'm not sure he is playing serious. He's no Lou Gossett, I can tell you that. Well, no, that's why we have other minor characters like Budiansky. Yeah, I thought it was the same character, but they have similar-sounding, non-ethically correct names. Yes. (laughs) Budiansky doesn't complain about Miss Pac-Man, though. He loses the charm there. What was Lou's name? Berkowitz. Berkowitz, yeah. See, I got very confused, particularly when he was talking about the drug habit. I thought this was a direct callback to Lou and that they were going to work in that, you know, the partner that died got him off the drugs and all of that. But you're telling me. That's what I'm saying. They're just redoing Dolph Punisher here. Like, they take so many of the same story points and recycle them. I just wanted him to order a pizza. Would it have been too much for him (laughs) to have a fist fight with the pizza boy? If you're going to do that many callbacks, give me my favorite moment from that movie. But again, do you think this is intentional or do you think we're just seeing it because we watched him in a row? I don't know that as part of research for a Punisher movie, you go watch Dolph. I assumed that some of this was crossover from the comic book, but you're telling me Budiansky and Berkowitz and none of that is is from the comic? Microchip is, soap is, but most of these characters are just made up. Oh, okay. Well, that was my explanation for why they're similar. Comic book source. Oh, or not. (laughs) No, no, Stuart, you've probably fully repressed this, but did Budiansky look familiar to you? Oh, no, I definitely recognized him. He is, you know, I know what you're talking about. And yes, I am going to ignore his work in Alien vs. Predator. <laughs> but he's a cool British actor. He was in Resident Evil, and he was had a reoccurring role in all the Brosnan Bond movies. He's, he actually has been talked about to play Bond, if they ever go black with Bond, that he was going to be the first choice. And he's not a bad one. I, I think that he's cool in other movies. He wasn't the worst thing about AVP. I was happy to see him here, but again, no Lou. And then, yeah, Jacob, you mentioned Soap he is from the comics. 
He is, he's actually from Welcome Back, Frank. He is this, you know, dopey, stupid cop that they put on the Punisher task force because they all think he's too stupid to actually catch him. And that is a big part of the Punisher story is that there's a lot of police agencies that kind of want to turn a blind eye to him because he's doing their job better than they do. I like the way that they work this character into it because when he starts out, he's at the opening hit and he's acting like, oh, I want to catch the Punisher. I want to catch the Punisher. And it's the partner that actually gives the Punisher the keys to get away. And so you really think that this guy is out to nail the Punisher. I fell for it. I didn't realize that the whole task force is really as an enabler and that he's secretly in cahoots with Frank. I like this character. I I like the dopiness, you know? Like when the first cop gives Punisher the keys, he's like, oh, let me take your statement. He is the comic relief, not microchip. I think it's soap. Yeah. I don't want comic relief in this movie, though. You need comic relief in a movie that's this harsh. You gotta have it to break the tension. We didn't have comic relief in Rambo. Not that I recommended that movie, but... It's not really funny, but he's lighter in tone. Everyone can't be so severe. Everyone can't be that intense. I think soap works. I wish that there was no microchip. And in fact, was he needed at all? I don't know why he's here. Except as some kind of bargaining chip. So I have something to complain about at the end of this film. (laughs) I guess. But I do feel like there's a lot of characters here, more than we need, and more than I wanted. And I would have been fine with soap and Budiansky. And that's it as far as the cops go. You're not wrong, because then Microchip brings in another helper. I just totally forgot about Carlos. But Carlos. Yeah, until I looked over my notes again, I'm like, oh, right, the Latin King guy. It, it's only important here because it establishes the fact that, obviously, if it wasn't obvious already, Punisher doesn't believe and that people can change. He's like, he sees him, he's like, no, you're a gangbanger, and you're going to be a gangbanger, and he doesn't want to work with them and but that doesn't pay off setup is kind of interesting jacob that's all that i'm saying this pays off because it proves frank wrong because carlos sacrifices himself later on frank's already proved himself wrong by shooting an undercover fbi (laughs) yes what it doesn't do what it never will do is prove to frank that he shouldn't be the punisher because if you believe in redemption you wouldn't be so quick to pull the trigger while frank goes through his angst billy is also all torn up you can call me Joker. No, or Jigsaw. Jigsaw. Or whatever. You won't confuse me with Jack Nicholson. I can tell you that. This is a total ripoff. I saw that the very first time. He's in a factory. He gets knocked into a vat. And then he goes to his doctor's office where his face is bandaged. We first see him from behind. Then the reflection. It's shot for shot, Batman 89. When I first saw this, I was shocked that he didn't smash a mirror. That's the only thing that was missing was him smashing the mirror. That comes later, but yes. Yeah. They make up for it here a thousand times. Oh, uh, we'll get into that. <laughs> These screenwriters should be beat. They should be dragged out in the street and beat for this. I really think that this is an offensive thing to put out there. Something so blatant. It's terrible that they have to copy from a movie that's, what, now 20 years old? Uh, it's just ridiculous. I was, I was furious. If you're going to steal, steal from the best or Batman. <laughs> and I gotta say... <laughs> In the comic, the Punisher throws Billy through a window and it cuts up his face. And that's how it gets sewn up. Very simple. I don't know why they needed to copy Tim Burton's Batman here. And was it supposed to be a joke when Billy says he went to a free clinic because he let his insurance lapse? Was that a joke or is that like them justifying why he got this crappy facelift? I think it's them justifying the crappy facelift. Oh, that makes it even worse. I will say it sent me to the internet because the doctor's like, well, they used horse hide. And I'm like... 
horse hide. Not even a free clinic would use horse hide. <laughs> the, the free clinics have horse hide just sitting there just in case they need to do a, a full facial reconstruction. I don't think that happens at free clinics. There is such a thing as surgical horse hide. But do free clinics have that? Sure, some Beverly Hills doctor might have that stuff. Or If he went to a free clinic, he would still be waiting. <laughs> because those, they're like the... The call time for you to see a doctor is like three weeks. I mean, the man would have bled out. I'm not here to challenge the realism of this scene. I'm here to challenge the fact of its plagiarism and its crazy tone. Again, you started me off down one path. Now you're going down another one and one I did not want to go with you on. I love the fact that he has to see like a billboard outside of a puzzle being put together to come up with his name. It's, it's not enough that his face looks like a puzzle. He actually literally has to see a puzzle being put together. Evan, it's a line for line steal from Batman. Billy is dead. Call me Jigsaw. It is word for word. Uh, I wonder if they could sue. But then again, we know they don't got no money because look at them. This makeup job's bad. I agree it looks fake, but to me, this went into like Dick Tracy territory. Yes. Like, it's so fake that I'm going with it the same way I went with like Flat Top in Dick Tracy. And so in that regard, I really like it because this whole movie, my God, you guys are starting to rip it apart like it's Jigsaw's face. Tell me this movie's not beautiful. This movie is fucking beautiful. I love the cameras they use. I think it's probably high def digital, but I love the look and it's all so stylized and so colorful. And this guy's face fits right in it, but it is bringing me back to Warren Beatty and Dick Tracy. Yeah, this isn't the gritty Punisher film I want, but I actually right. do like the makeup they use for Jigsaw. I think it's creepy looking. It looks like it actually might be horsehide or something. It's so fake looking. Like I like the look. It's just the wrong movie. Yeah, I echo what Jacob says. It's not that I couldn't accept this makeup job in a different movie. It's not the movie they introduced me to. They cannot give me the pulp that I'm looking for. They keep wanting to just distill it. And I really, they got closer here than they ever have. But now I can start to taste the flavor dissipate in all the water that they're dumping on this. This character is far too outlandish to work as a counter to the man we saw take out the mobs in the opening of this movie. It's silly now. It would be like watching Charles Bronson attack Jack Nicholson's Joker. It just, it doesn't work for me. I thought we were getting away from superheroes, and now we're in a classic superhero mold, one that they're not going to escape from, one that it's only going to get worse when they go to the insane asylum and rescue Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> I am so glad you agree with me. It's Lecter. It is like a manic version of Lecter in Looney Bin Jim. I love Looney Bin Jim. <laughs> I, I just love this fucking character. Now, do you guys know this actor, Doug Hutchinson? Have you guys heard about him in the tabloids? I try to avoid tabloid news. He, he looked familiar, but I, I, I don't know. In the know tabloids? All right, you piqued my interest. What, is he dating Lindsay Lohan? <laughs> no, he's married to Courtney Stodden. The headlines all say lost actor marries 16-year-old. He's the 51-year-old guy who was in Lost. Oh, <laughs> is this guy? 
Yeah, it's this guy. Okay. I don't know anything about this. He's now got a reality TV show because he married a 16-year-old with his, her parents' permission, and he was 51. Oh, yes. Okay. Huh. That's Looney Bin Jim. Oh, uh, all right. That's now where I know him from. I know the name Doug Hutchinson without having to recognize the face. He's been on the soup too many times. So you like LBJ, Arnie? I love LBJ. You like the dance scene where he smashes mirrors and dances and flips around? Abso-fucking-lutely. But I love his breakout right here where he eats the fat doctor's kidney. Oh, you mean the Hannibal scene? Yes, the Hannibal scene. They're just going to take from all the movies. They already took from Batman. and Let's take some from Hannibal now. That's what I'm feeling like. They're grabbing at anything. I mean, they're throwing everything at the wall at this point. I'm like, stay focused. (laughs) I'm in five different movies at once now. I'm angry because I don't feel like the director is in control. And I don't feel like tonally this works. I don't love Looney Bin Jim. And I didn't want Looney Bin Jim. And I liked him when he was in Silence of the Lambs. But this is not working for me. And I feel like every time they add a new character or a new gang or a new whatever, this thing gets more and more polluted and diluted and turned into something I don't want to drink. You know, if this was, you know, something written by Mark Miller, who did Kick-Ass, something in that vein, I could go with it. Yeah, you say Kick-Ass, and now I want that. You're right. Now I want everything here. You're right. If this had been Kick-Ass, I would take everything that they're serving me here. I really think the problem is in the writing. It might be with a novice director as well, but it's a lot of different things. And I feel, you know, Arnie, out of the three of us, I feel like you're the one that is most forgiving and the most joyous when they see this kind of disparate elements all at the same time on the screen, right? You want to know what I feel is the one disparate element I'm not liking is Punisher. It's a Punisher film, and he's the character who I'm like, yeah, he doesn't fit. Give me more Looney Bin Jim, give me more Jigsaw. Well, you're on to something there. We're agreeing, just seeing different things. We want a Punisher film, you want Looney Bin Jim and Jigsaw. Exactly, and I have to take the Punisher with my Looney Bin Jim, but any of the scenes with the mobsters, and I've got to say, they certainly have more lines than Punisher. Punisher doesn't speak for the first 25 minutes of this film. Billy never shuts up, and... They have more subplots. They're selling arms to Russians who are going to take them to some unknown, quote, ragheads, unquote. So they've got a lot more going on in this film than Punisher does. And all of their plots at least pay off in some way. Well, and well, I gotta say, that follows the Punisher comic formula. Four or five issues of evil people doing real evil things. So you hate them. So when you get to that last issue, the Punisher wipes them out and you're totally rooting for him. Except... This doesn't feel like the Punisher world. I've seen these clowns and carnival acts run around. I'm having a hard time associating them with evil because they're so comedic. Yeah, they're silly. They're not threatening. They don't deserve to have their heads sliced off. And that's what we know is coming for them. So that's my problem here. How can they not deserve it? They are enabling a weapon of mass destruction to be set off in New York. Yeah, does that work for you? Well, the Russian mob was bringing in biological weapons, and he's okay with taking $10 million to allow that to happen to his city. 
Come on, any New Yorker in post 9-11, no matter where they get their money, if he just manages money better, he has an, an abandoned skyscraper in the middle of Manhattan, you can make more than $10 million. <laughs> you don't even have to spruce it up. You can give it cobwebs and all, and people will pay that higher than that. You don't have to go to the terrorist for this. This guy does not know how to handle money. And it's an absurd stretch to try and bring in Al-Qaeda in with a cannibal and a disfigured joker. It just You hear what I'm saying, Arnie. This is a jigsaw puzzle that does not fit together. I realize that there's nothing here, nothing here that I can say is good. But I'm having fun mostly because of the performances, as bad as they are, in fact, because of how bad they are, of Doug Hutchinson and Dominic West. They got me. Well, it's camp, and I didn't want camp, but I hear what you're saying. I don't also think it's particularly that funny. And I'll agree with you at this much. Once Punisher starts talking, he's losing me, too. I felt like as a presence, as a physical presence, this guy really worked for me. But as he's talking, and certainly as he's trying to relate to Angela and Grace, uh, I don't really like him much anymore, either. It is all starting to go down into the recycling bin. The only time I like the Punisher is when he's killing, because, like, when he decides he's going to go after Jigsaw, and he goes after those parkour guys, and we get this big montage with music, or you think it's going to be a big montage of them running on the roof, and then you think there's going to be a big fight. No, he just blows them the fuck up. His ultraviolence is as fun to me as Looney Bin Jim's presence. I'll give you that one scene, Arnie. I thought that was so out of nowhere. The parkour guy goes to do his flip, and he gets hit with a missile. I wish the CGI wasn't so bad. It looks like... There you go. It, it's yeah. awful looking. It looks yeah. like they just, they're just they going in Photoshop and like cutting and pasting this guy doing a flip, but it's so out of nowhere. Yes, if this film could have got that balance where it was... Just these sudden moments of extreme violence. I mean, it, it goes long gaps of these weird, evil plots going on and LBJ dancing and smashing mirrors wherever he goes. I could have gone with this. I've not read the Punisher comics, but if they're anything like this, and Jacob, from what you've said in the past two podcasts, they are. Certain ones are. I want to read those comics now. I, this is making me, this parkour guy blowing up like that, I laughed out loud in theaters. I laughed out loud again watching it for this review. And I want to go read a comic where shit like this is constantly happening. Go read, and, and I shit you not, go read Punisher versus Archie. <laughs> where Archie crosses <laughs> He's laughing already. No, no it's, I'm intrigued. Even I yeah, might flip through that I, one. <laughs> I mean, if you, if you want something as unbalanced as this film, go read that crossover. That is a real-life crossover. But no, read Welcome Back, Frank. You get this kind of humor, I think, just much better done and much better balanced than this film. I agree the balance could be better, but when this movie goes to its most extreme Dick Tracy-like levels, be it a fist through the face, a chair to the eye, or a loony bin Jim eating my kidney, I'm with this movie. The sense I'm getting from you, Arnie, is that this is just Punisher 2004, but ratcheted up. No, I mean, it's it, Punisher 2004 had very long stretches where I was bored. And it made up for it, but there were these long stretches of car repair that never paid off. I mean, it, this has several things that don't pay off, but it goes about them quicker. <laughs> And so I do see a lot of ties to the 2004 one here, but I'm liking the way that it's amped up to almost a cartoonish level. 
Everything about this is screaming animation to me. Oh, come on. This is almost, especially when we get towards the end, there's a whole lot of animation. I mean, this has gone into a cartoon <laughs> for me. Well, I don't know. When he punches the guy into this face and it, the whole thing collapses, I was wondering, was it because he snorted cocaine? Did it, like, make it pliable in a way that he could do that? I thought maybe it was a anti-drug message i thought I, <laughs> I i thought they were trying to tell me something there. i just thought it was because the punisher's that big a badass <laughs> no i think you're right and you know the further that this goes in i giving up on what i wanted <laughs> entirely forever <laughs> and i'm trying to meet the movie where it's headed which is yeah low brow ultra violence that this can be fun and you know, i've enjoyed this when it's been in like crazy Japanese cop movies or or what have you. I can go with crazy ultra violence, hobo with the shotgun. I didn't know that that was what I was watching. I'll try to meet it here. And some of this stuff is a little fun. But they're still trying to tell a quote-unquote serious story here. And you can't forget about the fact that everything is hinging around Angela and Grace and getting this money. And they keep popping up into the movie to basically depress everyone and remind them that killing is bad. Is that what they're saying? I mean, I don't know. Last time we talked about the possible Bush era message of the movie. Here, this message is all fucked up. Is it saying killing is bad? Is it saying killing is good? Is this movie pro-death penalty, anti-death penalty? I think this movie is just violent. Yeah, it's apolitical. Yeah. I, d I don't mean by saying that they're there, that they're actually there to present a message, but what they implicitly remind everyone is the fact that their daddy got mowed down because Punisher acts the way that he did. So every time you see them, it brings down the idea that you could enjoy all of this crazy violence because, well, isn't this terrible that this happened to them? Isn't this girl an orphan because of that? Of course, she's adopting the Punisher as her new daddy, so maybe it'll all work out. Now, the next thing is what disappoints me the most of this film, though. They arrest Jigsaw, and Jigsaw gets out by giving up the Russians. But you gotta love the joke about that when they're looking at him through the one-way mirror and it's cracked... They don't call direct attention to it, but we've already known that LBJ has promised his vain brother that he'll never have to see his reflection in the mirror. I thought that was a funny joke. I thought that was funny, too. I was surprised they stuck with that continuity, and they, yeah. they don't call it out. So much of this film is so obvious and unsubtle, yes. like just to have this broken mirror sitting there would never call any arnie i would be enjoying this movie as much as you are if they had had more jokes like that and i did love that and i like that also not only is it that but when you see looney bin jim he's there and is like all bloody in the head because he smashed it like he did the other so i love it but yeah i'm disappointed that this is where the chemical warfare story ends because if you set up a chemical bomb that can take out half the city you now have your biggest bad of the movie, right? You have your giant demon or whatever big thing. Because at the end, the stakes need to ratchet even higher, right? It can't just be Frank in danger. It can't just be Frank's friends in danger. You got to put the city in danger, right? Yeah. I'm nah, no, we're not going to do that. <laughs> this film came out in 2008. The FBI is just willing to cut a deal with Jigsaw, not just give him total immunity, but to sell out microchip, to give him this money. It just seems like the FBI is just a little too willing to work with. Too audience. willing? They got these guys on the hook and they give them complete immunity and $16 million? 
and and tips on where like the Punisher's microchip guy and I'm like it's ridiculous what they walk away with. Come on, there's no reason that they should be granted immunity for this. Absolutely not. I see it as yes because again he says this thing will take out half the city. So it actually makes some form of logical sense. They would make that deal. Then you waterboard them. Yeah, exactly. I agree. But it's going down that night. They don't have time to get Cheney on the horn. They're cops, not military. They're not in Guantanamo. No, this was FBI. I totally agree. This is ridiculous. Anyone that's seen an episode of 24 knows they would call Jack Bauer. He'd slap him around and they'd tell him in 15 minutes. There's no way that you grant these people what they're asking for. It's, it's ridiculous. There's no negotiation with terrorists. This is not going to happen. And if the cops know they're locked up, they're in with the Punisher. You bring in the Punisher to torture them and let the Punisher save the day. He's, you know, whether he's an anti-hero or not, he's supposed to be the hero of this film. He's supposed to save the day. Like, they just go about this all wrong. No, and then they decide the way to go is to convolute this even more and have more characters. That there's this Christo that with the biological weapons, and he gets betrayed, and he's like, well, watch out for my father. I'm like, what, is he a movie critic? Because, <laughs> like, <laughs> that's what you need to worry about at this point. This thing is really, it's gone to the shitter. I will admit, here the movie stops being quite as fun for me. Because now we get a scene that's just surreal. Where, and here I wonder if there is a political statement. Jigsaw says, we're going to be like the U.S. government and offer them a college program. And goes to the gangs and gets the Irish and the African Americans and the Asians to all team up against Frank. And he does it while standing in front of an American flag and giving a big speech. Yes, while America the Beautiful plays. That's not clever satire. I mean, it, it satirizes nothing. It's just anti-establishment. It's absurd. That's not representative of how we get our army. It, it just They want to make it seem that way. I mean, this it's a pretty big political statement is that how do you build an army? You recruit from the poor areas. They call that out in the film. It's, it's not clever. If he was going to do this, it should have done it throughout the film. Set up, you know, something there. It's just... Right. Really if you were trying to indict America and talk about the war and terror by watching these guys that's one thing that's ballsy all right i'll watch you try to do that that would be very hard but i'll watch you try to do that but this is just like a one-off joke that they do and i'm not sure why it has to be so much america bashing in this moment and then drop it it feels silly and more to the point they're getting all of these gangs together to keep angela and grace locked up and microchip oh and microchip of course well that's that's why you need the the tongs as well <laughs> Come on, you're hating this too, Arnie. Don't tell me that this is less fun. This is not fun at all. Actually, you know what? I'm finding it fascinating <laughs> in just its true abysmalness. Okay. This is, you know, I it's terrible, but I'm enthralled. Are you enthralled when the Punisher goes to see where Microchip is, walks into his apartment, and his Microchip's mom is sitting there with her head blown off? It's just this meaty pulp. Like, to me, you're trying to go from this, let's bash America with the flag scene, to this, like, we just blew off your mom's head. Ha ha. It's starting to feel juvenile, and like, really? Did you really have to blow her head off? Well, at least they didn't blow apart some part. They mentioned she was incontinent and things, so they could have gone dirtier. I'm glad you didn't write this, Arnie. Yeah, right? <laughs> I don't know. I, once you take a turn like this, it's hard to win me back, and these scenes aren't doing it. I'm wanting the movie over at this point. I can be honest with you. I didn't get what I wanted, and I'm not even liking what they're giving, and I need this to be wrapped up quickly. 
Well, it is. <laughs> Before we could get to the big shootout, though, Frank's got to go to church. What the hell? Like, I needed a Daredevil callback? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I was thinking the same thing. Why are we going it's to It's a Daredevil? neon outfitted church with Mike the Preacher and who knew Punisher back in seminary or something? It's, yes. This has to be comic related. Was, was Frank ever in seminary school, Jacob? No. If that's come up in some story, I haven't read it. I don't recall him ever going to the seminary and studying the Bible. It makes no sense. I mean, it's just a mess bringing the whole church thing. I mean, I guess they need to bring it in because the last two Punisher movies have had mentions of God in them. I think we preferred it when God sat it out. Yes. I couldn't figure out this scene, and it actually comes back at the very end, too. We'll get there, but I didn't understand the church's point, and it's the place where Punisher meets up with Budiansky. Was this scene shot with both of them together? Because if you watch it... It cuts back and forth. You never see a scene of them together. It's oh, how funny. Back and forth. I was wondering, maybe was was this a pickup? They had to redo some stuff, so it was cut this way. It's a very weird scene. In neither the director's commentary nor the interview is that mentioned. Which, why would they want to call attention to it? It's, you usually don't point out imperfections in your film. But. Strangely, in the previous Punisher film, the director called out that Thomas Jane and the Witch Doctor were never on set the same day. Mm. So... Director's commentaries are all about ruining the films. Yeah, isn't that the truth? Of course, <laughs> when it's Punisher Warzone or Punisher anything, can they do any more damage than the movie itself? I mean, truly. This movie's going into the crapper. We got them going to get the Russian gang, and now all of a sudden it's the Warriors. I'm like, Punisher is in the background, <laughs> and we have all of these goofy gangs shooting it out in a hotel, and I'm wondering, how is this a vehicle for our star character how is this story serving his vengeance at all and this is where the bad cgi starts to get to me as well like that opening scene great squibs blood everywhere now it's just like painted blood cgi in there a guy gets his head blown off missiles are going off grenades are going off being shot into rooms going off and it just looks weird i don't know if they're going for a video game aesthetic or what it just this should have been a great scene the punisher storming the castle taking everyone out and it just looks bad. It may look a little fake, but I am enjoying this. I love it when he opens the door and there's the fat Irishman. And he just goes, oh, fuck. And then his head explodes like a water balloon. If it looked real, I would have gone with that. But it just it looks so bad. I don't think it looked that bad. It, it was fine. If it looked too real, everybody would be vomiting from all the gore. It had to have some amount of detachment. Oh, I'm detached. <laughs> <laughs> I was having fun with the ultraviolence. When the Punisher isn't speaking, I'm more on his side. When the Punisher speaks with the gun, I like it. And then he gets in the fight with Looney Bin Jim in the bathroom. Stuart, you said it was going to the shitter. It really does. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> now, he, unfortunately, the final fight, though, leaves me a little cold. This is bullshit. Whatever Frank is, okay, he killed an innocent guy, he's an anti-hero, he's a murderer, he still has to do something heroic in this film. And he doesn't. He doesn't save the day for all the good guys at the end. I agree. I thought for sure they were going back to another Batman film, Batman Forever, where they have this exact kind of choice. Gosh, who wants to go back to that film? But I see where you're going. And in Batman Forever, it's stated you can save only one, choose one. But Batman is a hero. He saves both. That's what the hero does. Like, mm -hmm. you give him the impossible and they do it. That's what makes him a hero. But instead, he, instead of shooting microchip, shoots Looney Bin Jim. And 
it's very, I guess, realistic in that, okay, well, I'm going to blow Microchip's brains out now, and so that's what Jigsaw does, and I feel bad for Microchip because I like Wayne Knight. He's done nothing in this movie to make me like Microchip, but I like Wayne Knight as an actor, and so to see him get his brains blown out was a little depressing. And it's just not what you do in this film. Like, if they would have set it up to be this kind of film where it is ultra-violent and ultra-realistic, that's fine. I could go with that. But, you know, when we have Frankenstein and LBJ selling terrorist weapons to blow up New York and making a United Nations of gangs to kill the Punisher like this, it doesn't work. Yeah, we're not in Sophie's choice here. I I don't feel like... (laughs) Let me put it this way. Dark Knight has a very similar circumstance in the middle of that movie. It's handled much more expertly and has the exact same result. And you don't feel like Batman is a chump for doing what he does. And here, yeah, you feel like Punisher is a chump. You feel like he just did not fulfill what we need him to do. You're right. We need him to bring the vengeance, and we needed him to do so by saving these characters. By letting Wayne Knight get killed, I don't see a redemption here. I don't feel like allowing a little girl to hold his hand and say, it's okay, and the mom to say, well, my dad was a fan of you before you killed him. I don't feel like the arc is complete. I feel like this movie has ended. I don't feel like it has satisfyingly concluded. Yeah, I agree. The movie lacks payoff in every respect. Jigsaw dies in the fight, whatever, who cares? It's not a good fight. It's it, After all the great explosions and gore, Jigsaw gets stabbed through the belly and thrown in a fire. It's kind of lackluster. And yeah... Punisher never atones. Punisher never redeems. Punisher never even punishes. This whole thing is completely at arm's length for him, really. It does not involve him. It reminds me of some of the Blade sequels, where Blade was just kind of tertiary. Yeah, at least you had Ryan Reynolds, though, to keep you entertained. Well, here I have Looney Bin Jim! (laughs) That's bad news when they turn into the bad guy for entertainment. Worked for Batman 89. We'll get there. But then at the very end, we have... a extra scene that Budiansky just kind of disappears. He's knocked out. It's decided for him by the Punisher. He shouldn't go down this dark road, whatever that means. So, yeah. Yeah, because Budiansky keeps playing with, like, he's gonna become Punisher 2, and Punisher's like, no, you're not. No, he's not. He's not even close, but whatever. And then Soap and Punisher are walking, and Soap's like, I think you should stop killing people. I don't believe in the death penalty. And then he gets mugged. And, of course, the Jesus saves neon sign that Jesus goes out and it just says saves and the Punisher standing there. You could say this is an apolitical movie, but to me, there it is right there. As Americans, we're all for peace and hippie love and all that until someone threatens us. Then we want ultimate vengeance on him. Take them all out with as brutally as possible. See, all right, I get him killing killers. I can understand the eye for an eye mentality. But like when Stewart said earlier, it's the association, the relatives of killers, the wives of killers. Now you're down to muggers. You know, it's like eh, he's killing a lot of people for crimes that may not be death worthy. Yeah. And a lot of people that may not be killers or muggers or whatever had circumstance been different. I mean, I feel like the character starts to look judgmental and hasty and i'm not willing to condemn our entire justice system and say the only answer is a bullet you know i feel like that works in movies particular movies with these kinds of characters but i can never quite go along with the message that you know the gun is the best method here this is not my kind of hero and this is definitely not my kind of movie 
Well, let's see. Jacob Stewart, do you recommend Punisher Warzone, Jacob? Whatever problems there was with the balance between violence and humor and Punisher 2004, it's multiplied by thousands here. You go from this extreme gritty ultra violence to this weird slapstick. Stewart, you called out in Hannibal how they always have to end those films on, on a joke. Like every time there's a bad guy in this film, there's got to be some joke, whether it's LBJ smashing mirrors or parkour gangs flipping around i don't think this movie knows what it wants to be part of it is billy the butte and part of it's jigsaw it doesn't know where it wants to go and as a punisher film it just doesn't work for me as coming as the punisher fan it doesn't work for me as a punisher film and just watching this as you know a 80s throwback action film death wish that kind of thing the story's just all over the place it's too convoluted it's got a punisher that i don't like he should be going through this journey, this self-exploration of are his methods too extreme. He ended up killing an innocent man. He wasn't able to save his best friend. But that just doesn't go anywhere. This is just to watch people's heads get blown off. So if you like Faces of Death with a little bit of humor thrown in, I guess this movie's for you. But no, I do not recommend Punisher Warzone. Stuart. This is the, exactly the kind of movie that I thought I was going to be getting all along when I started this. When I first approached this, this is basically what I thought it would be. B-movie, pulpy, ultraviolet. Warzone comes closest to being the Punisher movie that I thought I was going to get. But it is marred by incredibly stupid tangents and, yes, decisions in which they second-guess their gritty nihilistic nature and fill it with humor and a redemption storyline that they don't want to redeem him. They're not going to make us get emotional here. It seems like just a waste of time. And I feel like ultimately, yes, this movie could only be enjoyed as a squib fest watching blood spatter. And some of that works. You know, it can't be denied that some of this ultra violence, if that's what you're into, this is the best Punisher movie of the three. And that's, but for my money, not nearly as apoplectic as Punisher 2004. But no, it does not succeed. It is a stupid movie with a very stupid villain who tilts the balance away from being a fairly decent B-movie into being just a, yet another unsatisfying Marvel experience. So not recommend. And for me, you know, Stuart, you've defended several movies on Now Playing calling them, you know, just wonderful trash. Here, I, I'm not going to call this trash, because I think it's too well made to be trash, but I think this is a recommend of the guilty pleasure, because I can't disagree with any criticism either of you are lobbing at this. But the difference is, I'm really enjoying it, and I agree with you, Stuart. To me, this is the best of the three Punisher films. It's just a constant, entertaining riot from beginning to end. I guess I don't feel like it's as outrageous as something like I Know Who Killed Me, though. You know, I feel like Jaws the Revenge, those movies really go out there. A shark that follows a woman down to the Bahamas. There's nothing here that's quite so wacky. Well, kind of. A guy whose face a free clinic uses horse hide on? <laughs> All right. All right. I'll give you that scene. Sure. <laughs> but then there's the rest of this. It's just, it's a question of the performance. You can grab to a couple concepts, but in both of those movies, I found the overall experience to be so arduous that the few bits of hilarity weren't worth it. Whereas here, the whole thing is hilarious to me, with the exception of a few Ray Stevens speaking parts, but that's very few and far between. 
Here, the entertainment value is really high for me, and it's all because of how wonderfully awful the people I consider the two lead characters, Jigsaw and Looney Bin Jim, are. And when Ray Stevenson is on there and things are blowing up in bloody chunks, like the parkour gang, and you just don't expect it. When Punisher punches the guy, you don't expect his face to cave like he's Kurt Cobain. And when the parkour guy's flipping, you don't expect him to just blow up like a video game. And I love this. I just, oh, it's completely over the top. Recommend. Now, Arnie. You reviewed this before on the old version of Now Playing. Did you have the same thoughts back then? I went back and listened, and yeah, I did. I had a lot of the same thoughts. I watched this movie, I wrote my notes, and then I went back and listened to my old review, and it was funny how much the same things were in the notes then and now. Well, you know what, Arnie? I can actually relate to this, because a recommendation is a hard thing to do sometimes when a movie is entertaining in a bad way, so... I hear what you're saying, but for my money, this just is not that outrageous. In order for it to work, it has to be Halloween 3. It has to be Jaws the Revenge. It has to really have a concept that's so mind-boggling, you can't believe that adults made it. And here, this feels very conventional. In fact, most of it feels like a movie I've already seen called Batman. And I just feel like you're giving a pass for a couple scenes in one character that... It really doesn't deserve. Your reviews reminded me more than a little about when you raved and about Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the next generation, (laughs) you know, like you found far more entertainment than I ever can in that schlock. We agree it's schlock, but I don't know. You're right. This is not the first guilty pleasure. It's the first one I'm calling out as guilty pleasure. But Friday the 13th Part 8, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation, all of these go in that guilty pleasure category for me. And yeah, a lot of it has to do with just not the concept, but how much fun am I having watching it scene by scene? And if the actors and the violence or action is engaging me, then yeah, I understand this movie is poorly written. And that so many plots are dropped that homeless people are picking them up for food. But I just can't not be entertained. I actually watched it twice for this review to be like, am I sure? And I'm sure. (laughs) Well, then hats off to you. I would not take away anyone's guilt or pleasure. And I I recognize my own. And, you know, I recommended Poltergeist 3 and Jaws the Revenge. And I'm certainly a fan of bad movies that cannot be explained away. But this one ain't it. And (laughs) I, I don't know. This has been a tough, tough series. Tougher than most. Because I feel like sometimes when I start a series, I'm like, I don't like this. And it doesn't change. But with Punisher... Every damn time I started it, I was like, well, just maybe this could work. (laughs) And I felt the rug pulled out of me at various points in all three movies where I just was like, God damn it. You keep tricking me. And I'm a fool for believing that you'll ever be better than the schlock that you are. I don't know, Jacob. I know you're a fan of the character. Do you feel like this series has ever honored, truly honored the comic book character you love? I'm going to say this. The best Punisher movie out there, the filmmakers just need to do one quick little CGI edit. Shoot them up. You just need to go throw a skull on Clive Owen's shirt in that film. That's the best Punisher movie I've seen. It's not even a Punisher movie. I mean, Paul Giamatti is the bad guy. I think he gets that good balance of humor and the real ultraviolence in there. Unfortunately, I don't think any of these Punisher movies have got it. I've recommended two out of three, but none of them have won me over like the comics have. And I think I said this way back with Dolph. 
I think part of the problem is, as far as superhero comics go, the Punisher was a pretty novel idea. You have this person that will actually kill the bad guys. You don't have these reoccurring villains. But in movies, we got Death Wish, we got Taxi Driver. We have all those movies, and that tradition goes further back. And so when you finally get around to this character in the 2000s, well, it's stale. What are you going to do with it? We've already seen this. We've seen this for 30, 40 years already. And you know what? Maybe that's why I keep thinking this is going to finally pass my test because it, of all the Marvel ones we've done, feels the one furthest away from a superhero. And, and that's what's intriguing to me is that it is reminding me of, of movies that I've loved and characters that don't feel like, you know, dyed in wool, moralistic superheroes. You know, I, I wish they had made that movie. I wish that they could deliver Taxi Driver or Straw Dogs as a Punisher movie. I feel like they could. I feel like they should, but they probably never will because ultimately he's Batman. And the other problem is, is that Marvel now has the rights back to the character. So we could see Punisher and Avengers next summer. Legitimately, we could. It could be the after credits tease. Punisher could be there now. But he's not part of the Avengers team, right? But he's in New York. He could show up. Well, whether or not he makes it in the Avengers, I do know that there will at least be a pilot for a TV show that Fox Television has ordered Frank Castle uh, to show up on television from the creators of Criminal Minds. I gotta wonder, Jacob, (laughs) how worried are you now that Frank Castle is going to primetime basic television wait so it's not hbo or showtime it's fox fox who did generation x and nick fury agent of shield oh oh i guess there's gonna be a version of the punisher i might hate more than this punisher warzone version then that doesn't excite me keep in mind though it's being created by marvel marvel's really doing the television push they're also doing a hulk television series and they're going to use the same cgi model that's going to be used on avengers so they're really pushing the television that said fox i don't think it's going to be around very long it may have a blade lifespan i mean look at sarah connor chronicles and firefly genre tv doesn't last on fox so it may be worse but it may be shorter i just don't see a guy running around shooting mobsters as being a successful prime time show you know that's right up my alley but i don't see middle america buying this I would look for this to be a little softening. My guess is that the punishment comes in a Jessica Lansbury package where he sort of solves a mystery and maybe he punches a few people. I doubt he kills everyone every episode. That just doesn't seem to be the (laughs) It's not the Punisher then. No. Is it it going to be an ice cream man by day serving (laughs) ice cream to the little children? Actually, he's a cop by day. Oh. Of course. No, so so this is like Daredevil, you know, uh, fights crime by the law during the day and is a vigilante at night. Great. Maybe they can rename him the pushover. (laughs) I already hate this show. Well, I promise I will review it on the Venganza Media Gazette, just like I did Blade, if it ever sees the light of day. No matter how bad it is. Won't be with any of the people that we've seen (laughs) playing the character before. and Maybe Ray Stevenson has reprised his role of the Punisher. What are you talking about? I'm talking about there is a kiddie cartoon aimed at like five-year-olds called Superhero Squad. And they got Ray Stevenson back to be the Punisher. I own three Superhero Squad Punisher toys. They have made three different versions 
of the Punisher for three-year-old kids with shotguns and bazookas. I don't know what you guys are talking about. How is this even possible in a cartoon to have the Punisher at all? (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Awful. Wow. So he actually had more lines, I think, in the cartoon than he had in the movie. Mm. Oh, my God. Well... (laughs) I guess Grace did have an effect on him, but just the wrong one. Jesus. <laughs> I think she wanted you to stop killing her daddy and not make more killing cartoons for people her age. Whatever. Well, Stuart, we'll give you a breather for a few weeks here. We'll let your punishment stop for the holidays. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate that. And I look forward to you guys. I'm not joining you, but I really think you guys got a good series in the pipeline. Rocky. I mean. Oh, I'm excited for this one. Academy Award winning Rocky. More Dolph. Dolph and Academy Award winning in the same film? (laughs) (laughs) Not in the same film, but, you know, I'll admit here, I've only seen the first three. I will watch all six and listen along with you guys as you go through the films because I don't know anything about the second half of Rocky's film career. Yeah, we have that coming up for the next six weeks. Don't forget, we have our vote open about our $25 donation series for the spring, Men in Black or Spielberg. Go to nowplayingpodcast.com and vote to let us know which film series you want us to review. The other will never be reviewed. And then we return to Spandex Superheroes right after All Lang Syne as we begin our real countdown to the Avengers with Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Baywatch Nights. <laughs> oh, I could have lived my whole life not having watched half of the movies that I'm about to sit down. And I've been complaining about Marvel, but I feel like I don't even know how bad it's going to get now. I mean, <laughs> David Hasselhoff and Lisa Renna in a made-for-TV movie about Nick Fury. Well... It's always darkest before the dawn, because when we get through this, we have some Iron Man. <laughs> I can't wait, but, uh, you know, maybe there'll be some comedy. I'm, I'm up for it. If, if, it can, if it can amuse me, maybe it won't kill me. <laughs> it will make you stronger. So, thank you again. Until next week, the guilty will be punished. I still talk to God sometimes. I ask him if what I'm doing is right or wrong. I'm still waiting for an answer. And until I get one, I'll be out here. Waiting. Watching. The guilty will be punished. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Now Playing Punisher Movie Retrospective Series. That was fun. Now, let's go kill Castle in this miserable hole. Part of our Marvel comic movie series. Turn the lights off when you leave. Don't punish yourself. Come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week as we review another Punisher film. There's a limit to revenge. Well, I guess I haven't reached one. And in the NowPlayingPodcast.com archives, you can find reviews of other Marvel Comics films, such as Howard the Duck, Man-Thing, Daredevil, Elektra, the Blade series, the Fantastic Four series, X-Men, and many more. We're going to have ourselves a little bit of fun with this. Plus, we also have reviews of non-comic series, such as Star Trek, Terminator, Predator, A Nightmare on Elm Street, and others. Vaya con Dios, Castle. 
go with God. God's going to sit this one out. And while at NowPlayingPodcast.com, be sure to join our forums where you can discuss the Marvel movie films with other listeners. No background checks, no problems. You can also follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter, where we post announcements of new episodes and where the hosts post movie mini-reviews. Links to our social media pages are at NowPlayingPodcast.com. But the location's not the big story. Who'll be there is... Support from listeners like you help keep Now Playing operating. He's asking for help, so let's help him. You can find a link to donate using PayPal at the bottom of our website, NowPlayingPodcast.com. What the fuck are you waiting for, Christmas? You can also show your love of Now Playing Podcast by shopping in our store, where you can buy Now Playing t-shirts, coffee mugs, mouse pads, and much more. Oh gosh, now I've got brains splattered all over me. The link to our Cafe Press store is available on our homepage. You don't get to shoot my husband in cold blood and then stuff at the ATM. Now Playing's Punisher Retrospective series is edited by Arnie. He hasn't slept all week. How do you know? Because I haven't slept all week. Credits read by Brock. The tongue stretches further than most people think. Ask your man how he's going to talk that shit when I pull it from his mouth. Now Playing is not affiliated with New World Pictures, Artisan Entertainment, or Lionsgate. The Marvel characters and all of the Marvel Universe contains is the intellectual property and trademark of Marvel Publishing Incorporated, and no infringement is intended. I want a lawyer. You'll get your fucking lawyer. But no lawyer's gonna get you out of this one. You ugly piece of shit. The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Enganza Media Incorporated. This was a hard one. This was the last one. Now Playing is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2011, all rights reserved. You're leaving. I have work to do. Read your newspaper every day, you understand. Which section? Obituaries. Oh, for fuck's sake. For a movie that should be simple, its plot has a lot of machinations. All right, give me the short version of what we saw. <laughs> Isn't that what you said with the last one? I know. Why you, it's always overwhelmed. That, that, it goes back to my statement. And Punisher should be a very simple character and I always have these huge, long conversations about him. I don't know what it is. Oh, for fuck's sake. I don't know who this guy is. I didn't see Rome. I've never seen him in anything, I don't think. Well, you're going to get to see him when we get to Thor because he plays one of the Warriors 3 in that film. Okay. Well, I know that means I, nothing to you at this point. It means less than nothing, but I didn't see Thor. <laughs> Warriors, I, what? I, I, know, I know that I'm contractually required to, so you're right. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. Punisher Warzone, lowest box office since Howard the Duck. For oh, I didn't, I didn't read that. Go ahead and say it. Uh, let me double check. Well, that this couldn't be true because of Man Thing. Well, did Man Thing get a theatrical release, though, in the U.S.? Eh, it's hard to know. Maybe in Australia. Let me just, let me just double check. <laughs> I, I, that doesn't count yeah. <laughs> man thing doesn't count you made me watch it, <laughs> it no, I, for the two I, hours you're gonna be watching lots of movies that don't count I, uh, I, tell me about it <laughs> i meant australia doesn't count oh <laughs> oh for fuck's sake and until next week the guilty will be what's my fucking line i don't know oh, damn it I, guilty will be punished until it? next Oh, for fuck's sake.